Hi, I'm Delisha Milton-Jones, and you are listening to The Monarchist. I'm Aaron. And I'm Mike. And you're listening to The Monarchist Podcast. Today, we welcome Nancy Lieberman to the pod. Known as Lady Magic by many, Nancy's an Olympic silver medalist, three-time All-American, two-time national champion, a 1996 inductee into the Basketball Hall of Fame, and subsequently into the Women's Basketball Hall of Fame in 1999. I could go on for another 20 minutes, but why do that and hold up the fun? Nancy, welcome to the world's best and only ODU podcast. How are you guys doing? Thank you for having me on. Oh, we're doing fantastic. We're so excited to have you. But let's get started at the beginning, how it all started in Brooklyn. We know you liked football and baseball first, and you transitioned to playing basketball at Rucker Park. Could you tell us more about that? Well, yeah, I started playing football and and baseball when I was about seven or eight years old. I just loved it. And actually, I was just telling Deion Sanders this story the other day because I went to the game on Saturday at Jackson State. And I was running back a kick and somebody, a guy put his helmet into my stomach and it felt like I couldn't breathe for about, you know, five minutes. And these guys were getting bigger and stronger. And I realized maybe football is not my thing. Then I went to, and I love football, by the way, but then I started playing baseball and I could have played on the boys baseball team at Far Rockford High School. I mean, I, I loved it, played with these guys all the time. And I was getting ready to play PAL baseball in a league and the day of our first game the coach of the team said you can't play and I said why he goes it's crazy but they won't insure you because you're a girl so I think that was the first time I probably I didn't know the word for it but you know it was the first time that I was ever discriminated against and I went to the local YMCA the gust of YMCA in, in Hayeswater where I lived in Far Rockway and I went to the main window and I said to the guy do you have basketball leagues he goes yes I said great can I play in the boys league he said yes I said it's okay that I'm a girl and he said yes we'd love to have you and I'm very grateful for whoever that person was who said yes because I you know the guys that I played against you know toughened me up and taught me how to compete helped me to be you know the development of the player that I became Obviously, you became a wonderful basketball player. So great that you know you got selected to the Olympic team at a very early age. So we've heard the stories about your selection for the 76 Olympic team, but many of our listeners probably haven't had the opportunity to be able to hear that. Can you tell us how that happened and why it was so important for women's basketball at the time? Well, you know, I mean, I got toughened up playing at Rucker Park. I mean, that's where I would play in the streets against all these guys. And, you know, they they knocked the crap out of me, but I had to get up and I had to continue to keep playing. So that was really important. And then, you know, as a 15-year-old, I tried out for the USA team. I made it to the training camp and I had my ribs broken. And decided right then and there I was going to come back and I was going to just play so hard and get a chance to try out, you know, for the, the, the Pan American team. And so I finished my junior year at Old Dominion and I, excuse me, my, my junior year at Fargo High School. 
and I tried out and I actually made the Pan American team we won the gold medal in the Pan Ams. And then 76 was amazing. I'm at the tryouts. I didn't know if I was going to make it or not, but in a, a kind of a, a crazy twist of fate, I ended up beating Marianne Stanley out for that last spot on the 76 Olympic team. You know, I was bigger. I was more athletic. She was much smarter and savvy about the game. She was a three-time All-American, three-time national champion. And I was just this kid from the hood in New York. But they figured they were going to pick that spot for the history of the game. And I appreciated it. And I think, as they say, right, it all worked out the way it should work out. We all know you're an ODU legend. You averaged nearly a triple-double for your entire career, over 2,300 points. So many accolades, it's kind of hard to list them all. Can you take us back to why you picked Old Dominion? And if not ODU, where do you think you would have ended up? Well, you know, I was very fortunate because, you know, they didn't have like five visits or whatever like they do now. And what made me fortunate is that I was always at the USA tryouts. So I was where all the coaches were, the selection committee was. So I got a chance to have an audition in front of some of the greatest coaches in women's college basketball. So I, I had, and I needed a scholarship because I had nothing. I mean, I was a poor kid from you know New York, but I needed to go to college and I needed to get out of New York so I could then grow as a person. And, you know, I had over 100 scholarship offers and I kept asking, so what was your record last year? It wasn't very sophisticated. So you did, oh, you won the championship last year or you did this or that. I wanted to go to a school that nobody had never had ever heard of. I wanted to go to a school that was losing because I always felt like I was kind of an underdog in a sense. And Old Dominion, I don't know, you guys could go back and check the record. I think I fudged, but I think it was like, you know, seven or eight and 20 or whatever you were. And it was close to, you know, I could drive from New York, it was seven hours. And if I got nervous or scared or homesick, I could, I I didn't have the money to fly home, but I could drive home. And it, it turned out to be the best move for me. But I will tell you this, the seven freshmen, we made a pinky we made a pinky swear in the locker room. I'm taking Debbie Richards' job. So-and-so's taking a baggage job. So-and-so's taking Wendy Larry's job. So-and-so's taking, we all decided we were going to take an upperclassman's job. And we were going to do this every single day in practice. We were just going to, every position, every drill, we were just going to play. Even though we might not have had the experience that they did, but we were going to go play and we were going to change the culture at Old Dominion University and put our thumbprint on this, on the history of the program. It's kind of cool that, you know, seven freshmen could do that. It's clear that you guys put your minds to it and you absolutely accomplished it. You mentioned a couple minutes ago about winning that spot on the Olympic team and beating out Marianne Stanley, but you quickly saw her again as a coach at Old Dominion. How did that relationship start and, and turn out? Well, I think it was hard. You know, we had a rough go of it with Pam Parsons who was, you know, one of the most diabolical, horrible human beings, you know, I had ever been around and been exposed to at that point in my young life. And now here, Marianne comes to the program after Pam was fired. And I was excited because I wanted Marianne to teach me what she knew. I needed to be that sponge. 
But Marion was only like 24 or, or 25 when she got there. She was young. So I think she still had a lot of competitor in her. And, you know, we didn't talk that much my sophomore year. I think it was maybe like in the exit interviews that, you know, we sat and talked and she, she asked me a really hard question. She says, do you make you good or do you make everybody else good? And, you know, being young and stupid, I went, I make everybody good. <laughs> Not a very humble answer. And she said, Nancy, if you'll make Ignis an All-American, if you'll make Dan Trombley All-State, if you'll make your teammates better, I think we can win. And we can win a national championship. And I went, you know, I said, well, what, what are you asking me? She goes, I'm asking you, you know, to shoot less, pass more, be more selective. At that time, I was probably a volume shooter. I was probably taking 25 shots a game. And, you know, I could get shots anytime I wanted, but it might have been good for my scoring average, but it really wasn't good in the big picture. Even though we went 30 and four and we won the NIT my sophomore year, I needed to get better if we were going to be champions. And, and Miriam, you know, had the guts to, to look at somebody who's an All-American and say, I need you to be better. And I respected her pushing me like that. And that's what Pat Summit did on the USA team. She was always in my face, pushing me to be better. And I became a better player and person for it. Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate it. You've played on a ton of, a ton of teams, a ton of leagues, amazing things that, you know, I, I can't even imagine. I mean, you, you broke tons of barriers. The WNBA wasn't even a thing at, at the beginning. And of course it was a little bit later, but you were a pioneer in basketball. When we had a dear friend of yours, Jay Harris on the podcast earlier this year, he shared with us one of his favorite basketball stories about him playing two-on-one against Michael Jordan. And uh, it was pretty funny. Could you share one of your favorite basketball stories with us? Well, obviously playing one-on-one against Michael Jordan at his basketball camp in 93. I still have the pictures of it. And the funny thing about it is we're at his camp and inside stuff and all the media was there. I had just taken Cheryl Soups with me to his camp. Actually, that's when his, his dad was murdered during that period. And he goes, okay, Nancy, we're going to play one-on-one. And I'm like, who's going to play one-on-one? He goes, me and you. I was like, okay. And I looked at him, I go, my ball out, title nine. And he just kind of looked at me and he, the one thing that I will say about Michael Jordan as a prelude to us playing one-on-one, I kept asking him, why do you play so hard in the coaches games? He said, they'll beat me when they can beat me. And I've always used that even with my son, TJ, who, as you know, is a professional, you'll beat me when you can beat me. And so with that, Michael played hard. And I always tell people, I mean, we were going at it. I mean, I was attacking him. I was making his bald head sweat. You know, he was two-time champion, a three-time champion and three-time, you know, player of the year in the NBA. And it was, it was one of the toughest games I've ever played in my entire career. And Michael, Michael barely beat me. It was amazing. He, he beat me 10 to two and people were like laughing at me. I'm like, Dude, I scored two points on Michael Jordan. It was one of my best efforts ever. And my job was to make him shoot jump shots, not to have him dunk on me, because I know he wanted to, and I just refused to let him do that to me. And, you know, you know, we all have a story of something that 
meant something. That was because it was so unique, but actually winning the national championships and, and being up on the podium, you know, with my teammates are the two greatest things. I love Old Dominion. I'm a monarch for life. I love the players of my generation, the next generation. I love the football players. I'm friends with, you know, Taylor Heineke and Kent Bazemore. And, you know, I love that we have, you know, the first African-American president and President Hemphill at Old Dominion. So I'm not just about my time there. I'm about the history of Old Dominion and sports and education. And I did find out when I was on campus with Wendy Larry, when we brought the three championship teams together, and you guys probably didn't know this, there was a library on campus. Very little known thing to me. <laughs> and she looked at me, she goes, you have got to stop. We have recruits here. I go, is that a new building? She goes, Nancy, it was built in the 70s. Really? That's a, did Wilson know that? Or, you know, Joey Carruthers or, or Fur, Tommy Conrad? Damn, that's amazing. It drove Wendy Larry crazy. So speaking of your time at Old Dominion, do you have a favorite non-sports memory from your time as a student? Did you have a favorite place to hang out? I did. I was always hanging out with Harry and Pam Lozon at their house or over at Wilkins Chevrolet with Mr. Wilkins. And let me tell you what Mr. Wilkins used to do. He would like, he's so funny. He would call me Super Jew. And he'd call me, he goes, Super Jew, come out to the house. You know, you, you can fight to eat. I'm like, Okay. So, you know, he didn't want anything to be illegal just to go to his house and eat. He made me clean. This is unbelievable. He made me clean his gutters. I was up on a ladder cleaning gutters and I was the player of the year in college basketball. I don't think I've ever told anybody that story. And I was like, why am I doing this? I'm an all American. He goes, super Jew. You can't get a free meal. Well, Obviously, I'm not getting a free meal because I'm on a ladder cleaning the gutters on your roof. If I fall, they'll, Dr. Jared will kill you. So, yeah, that was, I loved going down to the beach. I loved, like, I loved having Mr. Wilkins and Harry and Pam as my family because that was one of the things that, you know, was really tough in my childhood. So they, they really represented family. And then Wes Locker, you know, the, the mascot, Crazy Wes. And we're inseparable to this day. We talk every week since 1976. We talk every week. Inseparable. It's crazy. And Tommy Conrad. That's amazing. It's amazing the connections that you make. We've heard you speak at some events before. Last year, you and Jay joined Alicia at the an event before the women's basketball season. And the, the stories that you guys carry and those connections are just amazing. And we're so thankful that you're still connected to the university. Back in the 70s, Old Dominion really was a pioneer in women's sports. Women's sports were important to Old Dominion before it was cool, before it was mainstream, before Title IX. But eventually, larger schools, they entered, they changed the landscape. ODU in its last few hires with Nikki McRae and Delisha Milton-Jones appear to have a renewed commitment to women's basketball. Now, how does a mid-major like ODU compete in the current college basketball landscape? Well, we have to give to the resources that she needs. You know, recruiting is, is a tough game, and she's up for the challenge. She's a wonderful coach, and she's going to take this team to places that 
you know, Nikki started that and, and turned the corner on winning and consistently winning. And, you know, we need for, for Wood to continue to support them, even while we're supporting baseball and football. You know, we want all our programs to be fantastic. And, you know, hats off to, to my guys on the game they won on Saturday. That was phenomenal. And they, they really, right, they should be 3-0, and out, right, that Virginia game. So, yeah, three and one because the ECU game. Oh, yeah, had, ECU, I forgot. But okay, so the, the game against Virginia, you know, that was a game that, you know, came down, I think, to the last play or so. Yeah, you're so right. We we were in Charlottesville, and I think we took the lead with about a minute left, and, you know, things didn't work out. But we went from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows. But in every everything, there's opportunity, and I'm sure those guys learned. And, the next time they're presented with a situation like that, they'll they'll have been there and they'll be ready. Uh, I know. I agree 100%. So, you know, my focus is not just on basketball, you know, and Coach Jones and, and, and Delisha. You know, we want to be able to be supportive of all our programs, whether it's golf, you know, whether it's, you know, field hockey, lacrosse, tennis. You know, we, we've we got a lot of championships at this university, and I'm really proud but to get your, to answer your question, and I, I know I veered off, you know, we are a mid-major, but, you know, I think Wood's done a really good job getting us into conferences that are going to push us, stretch us, and challenge us to be better. And I think you're now getting those athletes who want to play, you know, at an elite level and not just at, you know, a level that they're comfortable at. Well, I really appreciate you saying we need to support all sports because – We've made this concerted effort as a podcast to interview everybody. We've interviewed the tennis coaches, uh, golf, volleyball. So that makes me really happy to hear that. We'd love to know more about how you've maintained your relationship with Old Dominion or how it's evolved through the years. Has it changed? We know you love the school, but has your feeling for the school changed at all over the years since you've left? Well, it's, you know, loyalty and love is a discipline and I can tell you from the men and women's basketball team, we, you know, from, from talking to Ronnie Valentine probably once a month to go when I go to Florida, when my mom passed away about three, four months ago, I would go down and, and Wes and I would see Ronnie Valentine to, to, you know, staying in touch. We have like a group chat, you know, if something happens Tony Ellis and <clears throat> Furman and, and, and Wes and, you know, everybody is on this group chat and it's, you know, Ricky Krasinski and it's, it's so cool. Like names that I hadn't seen some of these people in years, something good will happen or even Oliver Purnell and coach Webb, you know, I'll pick up the phone, you know, when Charlotte died and, and, and call, you know, coach Webb. And he was like, you know, Nancy, it is really, really nice to hear your voice and to talk. And I just tell them, Coach Webb, you did so much for our university. So the women's team, Chris Gratelli, you know, our managers, you know, I'm trying to think, Rose, you know, Rose Lee, it was Rose Rigg, you know, everybody. We get on calls. There's like eight or nine of us that get on these calls. Sandy Burke will get on the calls. And it's amazing. It is amazing that everybody can see what they're doing, you know, especially during covid we were sitting in our houses and we were probably, you know, I caught a fish, you know, this big and, you know, now it's this big. And we just, we just talk about each other and family and, 
And that's why, like, for me, it's really important when I come back, you know, on the 5th. You, you pro- Do you guys know about the statue? So <laughs> that's so interesting that's a, you mention it. Interesting question. We learned about it today. They haven't announced it. And no. we're. Wait for, wait for them to. You know what? You can do what you want, but they're. That's like that seven, 800 pound statue that's going up on the 5th. That's, that's Ignison. That's Ann Donovan. That's Wendy Larry. That's Tisha Penichero. That's every teammate and every monarch that has ever been there from the men's team to the women's team. Because we were, we're still thicker than thieves, even like Kent Bazemore and people like that. To Taylor Heineke, we're, we're all monarchs. And, you know, we represent, if one has success, we all have success. But that's going to be able to have a young man or a young woman, volleyball or, or, or golf or tennis or whatever, walk up there and go, man, I want a statue one day. And then they're going to unveil, you know, the mayor's going to unveil the street that's being changed to Nancy Lieberman Pass, which is unbelievable. And then my friends at Pepsi, we're, we're giving a $25,000 NIL to the women's basketball program with Pepsi, you know, stronger together. And so some of those athletes can have, you know, some pocket money, which I didn't have when I was there. And then we're going to open up another dream port at the Boys and Girls Club. And again, it's gonna be for ODU, it's gonna be stronger together. It's gonna to be, you know, Pepsi and, and, and Derek Lewis, uh, the president of multicultural and racial equality in, in North America. They're so for women and they're, you know, uh, Old Dominion is a Pepsi poor. And then, you know, like our mayor, he's a graduate of Old Dominion. And I got to meet him at the, the t-shirt court when we opened up our court together. So there's, you know, we want our friends at Norfolk State to come over. We, we want our, fo- you know, I know football, we have a game at one o'clock, I think against Marshall. But after we do all that in the morning, we're going over to the football stadium and people are coming back. You know, friends of mine are coming back. The Lozans will be there. Wes will be there. Hopefully Tommy Conrad and so many of our family members. It's, it's not my statue. It's our statue. And it's, it, you know, at Old Dominion, we're dream, you know, we're dream givers. We're not hope stealers. And Old Dominion gave me hope that I could be more than I thought I was at 18 years old. And it, it changed my life on, on such a, a world stage. So I feel like I, I owe this university a lot. Well, with that answer, you're definitely fit to be a monarchist. Uh, the statue, is it going to go next to the practice facility or... There's a courtyard and it's going in the courtyard there. I think that's where it's going. And I think that's maybe Monarch Way. And then when you turn the corner, that street, 43rd, 45th, I think that's where it's going to be Nancy Lieberman Pass and we'll we'll, go. See, I would have went with Nancy Lieberman Drive because you were scored. Yes, Mike, yes. Yeah, but I still, right, I'm all, still the all t-shirt, it kills it. You talk about yeah. it. I joke about it, but I'm still the all-time leading assist person at Old Dominion. So, I mean, you know, I, I had to pass my way to make my teammates better, and that was the the secret sauce. I mean, I can score, but the secret sauce wasn't about me. It was about what Marianne said. Do you make other people better? 
So that was a, a, a learned lesson. That makes total sense. And I, I don't know how to top that. That's wonderful. I appreciate you sharing that with us. And that's very cool stuff. I really look forward to going and checking it out. And, you know, Mike and I have talked in the past with regards to the dream courts in the local area here in the 757. And it's great to see more going in. If you ever need help with that stuff, our group is there for you. Don't hesitate to let us know. Thank you. That'll be our third. We did the one in Portsmouth for, for Jay Harris, for his dad. You know, then we did the one, you know, with, with Wally and Linda, you know, Hayslip and, you know, with Tisha. And now we get to do this one with Pepsi and, and Old Dominion and make it just a glorious day and have some fun and, you know, tailgate. And hopefully I won't have too many jello shots. You know, Jay Harris, he and Bruce Smith, I think they got me drunk one day because I thought it was jello. And apparently it was jello shots. They left out a little information. And I was flipping the coin and I was like, God, I feel weird. <laughs> and they both were like, you know, that's jello shots. I'm like, you could have told me. Okay, so I'm, I'm not happy with Jay or, or Bruce. But, you know, Bobby Dandridge is going to come. We want everybody to come. We want our alumni to be there. We want you guys to be there. That's going to be a real cool thing for, for Old Dominion. And, you know, not only for myself, but for all of us. It'll be kind of cool. Absolutely. So this next court is the one in Ocean View. Is that right? Like East Beach area? Oh, hang on. Let me, let me go to my Tracy, who's amazing, has been working on this. And I think it is Ocean View. Yes, I think it is. If it's not, uh, we'll move it there. Well, I can tell you this. If it is the one in Ocean View, it's going to get a lot of use. I spend a lot of my summer in Ocean View going to the beach, and those courts are always full. So a brand new, beautiful court is going to get a lot of great use in Ocean View. That's really exciting. Well, that's what we want. We want kids to get out there and, and, and have fun and breathe and it's great, you know, there's so much with mental health right now and just being able to to exhale and, and just enjoy yourself and make friends. I mean, I, I just rattled off a lot of my lifelong friends and you, others can have that too, you know, that safety net of people. So something like that, that's what our hope is. It Once we hand it off to the folks there, it's not my court, it's your court. And, and it's a, a gift to the kids in the community from from us and, and from Pepsi. And so they never, you know, one day they can have their own legacy of what they give back. So let me take a step back and talk about coaching just a little bit. So you've coached in the WNBA, the NBA G League, the NBA, and now the big three, which is super cool. And I've heard you talk about that a lot with your players and with Ice Cube. Do you have a different approach to coaching men versus women? Are they the same, different? What's your take on that? You know, <clears throat> to say that men and women are the same would be absolutely incorrect. They're different. They're, they're, the makeup of a man and a woman is different. How they see things, how they say things, how they feel. And, you know, everybody is different. Is, you know, Pat Summit could scream and yell at me. It didn't bother me. And I would just go, okay. And then I would take it out of my teammates the next day. Some people, you know, need more love and kindness and empathy and understanding but you know you can be firm but you can be fair so you really have to make sure that you're knowing 
one of my favorite things that I tell people, and this is since I was coaching in the WNBA in 98, was KYP. Know your personnel. Know your people. You know, if somebody can't catch a bounce pass, don't throw them a bounce pass. You're setting them up for success. So I need to know my players. I want to know Katino. I want to know his, you know, his daughter, Sam, and, and Miles, his son. I want to know Corey McGetty's kiddos. I want to know Millie, his wife. I need to know Big Baby Davis. I need to know exactly how big Big Baby Davis is. Uh, and, you know, we can have a little bit of a wink, wink and a smile and or Birdman or tell me about these tattoos. And, you know, when did you get them? Why did you get them? Did it have significance? Quentin Richardson is one of the all time, all time greatest pros, pros. I miss him. I adore him. Karan Butler, Seth Curry, DeMarcus, you know, Rajon Rondo. You know, I've been very lucky. And then, you know, great WNBA players. Everybody's different. And now in the big three, you know, last year, this summer, and we, we made it to our the third championship game in five years, team power, which is hard to do. Winning's hard. We won the championship in 2018. But, you know, you, you, you have Glenn Rice Jr., right? His dad was a, a bucket. He was unbelievable. TJ played for me for the first time. And, you know, trying to navigate, you know, how to, how to coach my kid. Just he had he has to be one of the boys. He can't be mama's boy. He has to be one of the boys. And they have to believe in him that I'm not just giving him a payday. So there's so many different intricacies. And I haven't even talked about X's and O's right now. I'm just talking about people and life and love and kindness. I, I just want my guys to know I care about them and or the women that I coach. I want them to know that I care about them. And they're not just commodities and exchangeable pieces. Now I can't, I can't speak for every other coach, but you know, I'm taking the, the Greg Popovich route. I want to sit down and, and, you know, have a glass of iced tea or have a Pepsi or whatever Gatorade with one of my players. I want to know about their family. I want to know what their childhood was like, what made them happy, what made them sad. If they know you believe in them, then even on our worst days together where they're exasperated with me or I'm exasperated with them, you don't break the bond. You're, you're upset, but the bond is never broken. And it's a tricky balance because, you know, you have so many players, but it's okay. And I, I actually feel blessed to have been given these responsibilities. And think about it. I'm, Somebody said this to me a while back. I'm an athlete from the 80s, and it's 2022, and I'm doing more in 2022, right? I mean, a lot of athletes you don't even hear of, really, or, or it could be Jackie Joyner or Mia Hamm or, you know, Martina or, you know, what, what guys from the 80s, McEnroe, Barkley, you know, Michael Jordan, you hear about, but a lot of them you don't hear about. So God doesn't make mistakes. I'm the right person for the right job at the right time. And I'm here and I'm, you know, by the grace of God, I'm healthy. I'm eager. I still have that dog in me. I want to win. I want to make people better. I want to change lives. And I, I know I'm an influencer and that's, you know, that's important to me. Well, we know you definitely have staying power. It's a pretty remarkable career you've built for yourself, but you also mentioned TJ in there. 
And as an ODU basketball fan, I can say I am so happy he graduated. No longer will torture us on the basketball court. He was a great player to watch. You know, it was so, you know, I don't have a lot of uh, disappointments because it happened the right way, but I so wanted TJ to play at Old Dominion. And so did most of Old Dominion. But there are a few people who were like, well, what happened? You know, actually, you know, Blaine and I talked about it and he was like, I, I made a mistake. And he's a really great guy. But I was like, you know, if he can't play, coach him up. Now, one of TJ's coaches has ever heard from me, not at Niagara, not at Richmond, not in Europe, not at, you know, the, the Washington Wizards, you know, or the, the go-go. It's not my job. It's my job now as his coach uh, playing for Team Power. But that's not my job to call you and wear you out about TJ. TJ has worked so hard. He is such a professional from how he eats to how he sleeps to how he takes care of his body. It's blown me away. And he's got friends all over the world. And I'm proud he went to Richmond. I'm thankful, you know, for Chris Mooney and Rob Jones and everybody over at Richmond for what they did. You know, they took a young man and they grew him into a wonderful, wonderful, mature guy. And they set him up for success, not failure. And you know, TJ would have been least likely to ever be the A-10 player of the year. It's crazy. So we're, we're just, we have gratitude. And, you know, he has a lot of humility. He never will tell you who he is and what he is. And I love that about him. He had a pretty great role model to kind of see the path. And I agree with Mike. There were many a times where I looked next to myself and said, I wish he was here as opposed to at Richmond, but it was really fun watching watching TJ play against our Monarchs. Thank you. It was fun for me to see them play. And I remember Coach Jones, the first time TJ played at Old Dominion, and I came down and I you know, I kept saying, TJ, for you, it's a business trip. For me and everybody else, they're like super excited, you know, that I, I'm coming back and that you're playing. Don't get caught up in the hype. Just stay focused on your job. And one of the funny parts about it is, you know, I was sitting courtside and they, you know, they have you, you know, on the TV board or whatever, the LED board. And one of his teammates is like saying to another teammate, why do they keep putting that lady's picture up there? That, and the kid goes, you idiot. It's TJ's mother. <laughs> you know, he wore 10, she wore 10. And the guy was like, TJ's mother played basketball? It was so funny, but it was, it, it was great. And, and they treated him, Richmond treated TJ and, and still does. You know, he, like I'm a monarch for life and he's a spider for life. And I love the fact that he's, you know, he goes there, he speaks, he helps mentor kids. Look what he's done with Grant Golden, who, you know, just signed and, and is going to play in the NBA this year. So, you know, Chandra, you know, Jacob Gilliard, both programs have been incredible. We're going to let you go after this question, but I'm not sure if you're aware, but our group kind of started as a tailgating group that's morphed into a podcast. But one of our most important things to us is fundraising. Over the past two years, we've raised $25,000 for the baseball team. We also do a Toys for Tots fundraiser every year. 
that's raised thousands of toys and dollars for the Toys for Tots Foundation. You've talked a lot about the Dream Courts today on the podcast. I don't want to spend any more time on that, but can you tell our listeners how they can help the Dream Court and the Nancy Lieberman Foundation? Well, th- thank you for saying that, but you know, kudos to you guys for what you've done and how you've taken something that you love and made it fantastic in this area. So Nancy Lieberman Charities is every pillar of what we do is something that happened to me in my life. I was a poor kid, no father, no food, no heat, no electricity, one grandparent away from food stamps. You would probably never know that, you know, because people shine me up and I hid behind, you know, being the basketball player, but I, I had a pretty, pretty tough childhood. So without the scholarship for Old Dominion, from Old Dominion, and I was, you know, I found out later in life, the first female to get a full scholarship at ODU, the Donna Doyle Scholarship. I thought everybody was on scholarship on, on the women's team. I had no clue they had slivers, but, you know, live and learn, you know, Title IX. So we've sent over 90 student athletes from high school seniors to college in the last 10 years. We have a social and racial lecture series where we go to HBCUs probably four to six times a year. And we talk about issues that are on the table, tough issues of the day, but it's nice to have that interaction with students. And they know I look different. You know, here's this older woman who's done some stuff, but cares enough to come on your campus and be there and hear what's important to you. Far be it for me to sit there and tell young African-Americans what they should be thinking, feeling, or doing. No, tell me what you need. Let me see how we can help. We have 115 dream courts that are open. We have over 5 million children a year in our programs for, for STEM, for financial literacy, kids and cops programs, career readiness, and, and civic engagement. We've given over $300,000 in grants to dream court sites. We were given a cops award for five years uh, from the DOJ for our work with trying to bring you know kids and cops and communities together. We've put over 3,000 basketballs in the trunks of police community cruisers. So they pop the truck trunk, they see a kid, they throw a basketball, they rebound, they talk, you know, drip, drip, or pour, you know, some love and kindness. And, you know, then when they have to go, they give the kid the basketball and they give a card, you know, if your parents ever need us, you know, I'm officer friendly and please call. So they don't, you know, we don't want them to look every police officer as adversarial. So we make sure that kids know that, you know, Michael is a dad. He, he loves the uh, commanders. He's a Monarch fan. He's got two puppies at home and a dog, a girl. And, you know, we, we humanize the men and women in blue. So people realize they're just, you know, they're trying to do the best that they can do. And then we have to be better and we shouldn't steal and we shouldn't rob and we shouldn't beat up people. We shouldn't take, you know, it's like teach. Uh, Dion said in the locker room after giving the guys the day off on Saturday, he goes, guys, you have two days off. Please don't get arrested. Please don't take what's not yours. Please don't take what you think is yours. Make sure this locker room, there's nothing on the floor that the people that come in to clean it, they're not picking up your Gatorade bottles, your, your, you know, dirty, put your stuff in, in the laundry bin where it belongs. It's just about discipline and love and, and, treating people 
you know, whether you're the janitor or somebody has to clean uniforms or a young person who hasn't had, just respect for one another. And maybe we become the difference maker. And that's what my charity does. We're, we bring people together. We've given, you know, over 2,000 iPads to kids who we want them to be on a level playing field academically. And if you don't have technology, right? I mean, my phone right here is my, it's my oxygen. It's in my hand, my smartphone all day. We want kids to be able to have that. And I want to be able to walk into Rucker Park and kids give me a hug and give me high fives. I want them to know that I care. And, and what I am going to say is, you know, the politicians in this country, they can't pull me apart from my brothers and sisters who are black and brown and Hispanic or Asian or, you know, straight or gay or trans. You can't pull me away from you. I'm, it's just going to pull me closer to you because I have the power to be friends with anybody I want to be. And there's so many people who are trying to pull us apart and the negativity in our country is just horrible. And it's okay, I'm a Yankee fan. I know a lot of people don't like the Yankees. It doesn't mean I'm a bad person. It just means I, I, I'm loyal to my hometown team. Like people are loyal to Old Dominion or you know to the Nash, Nationals or, or the Mets, whomever. But you know, mediocre, mediocrity cannot rule our country. And we have, we have the power, know the power you don't know you have. You have the power not to steal, not to rob, not to get into these fights. Just lead with love and lead with kindness and, and a belief system of, hey, what can I do for you? And ask yourself the question, what else can I do? What else can I do for you? How can I help you? And that was Ali. That was Muhammad Ali. You know, he says there's two people in this world. There's givers and there's takers. He taught me well. He was my hero, my mentor, and my lifelong friend. By the grace of God, he picked me. And, you know, he, he said service to others is the rent you pay for your time here on earth. What can I do for you? I don't want anything in return. When I was poor, that's what I learned. I learned this from him because he's my hero and my idol. And that's what I say to people. Don't fall into that. Somebody has this and it sucks in society with sometimes with social media and you see what other people have and you feel less. And that makes me feel bad because people aren't less because of material things. There's some people who don't have as much and they're so powerful and they have great faith and whatever your faith is, just do it and trust to the best of your ability. And that's where I am today. I, I, I always wanted to be the greatest basketball player in the world. I wanted to be the GOAT. I'm not worried about the GOAT. I want to be the GOAT of helping people. And that's why we're coming to Old Dominion. And that's why we're doing NILs with Pepsi. And that's why we're doing Dream Courts. And that's why we've done, you know, three of these courts for Vanessa Bryant in honor of Kobe and Gianna in, in you know, Anaheim and then his hometown of Philly. You know, life is short. We're just trying to do our fair share and help people and spread positivity. And, you know, I'm not stupid. I know there's a lot of negative stuff out there, but I'm just trying to do my, my part. And I'm not afraid. 
You know, there might be some people who are afraid. I'm not afraid to go to Norfolk State. I'm not afraid to go into an area that people say, Nancy, you shouldn't go there. I'm not afraid. Maybe somebody else is afraid, but it's not me because I have friends in those areas. Well, I'm ready to run through a brick wall right now. Your message and your actions are awesome. Let's end on this. Tell Monarch Nation and anybody who wants to help out, how do they donate? How do they help Nancy Lieberman Charities help everybody? Thank you. Go to nancylibermancharities.org on your computer. Look at our programs. Look what we do. We're, we're nationwide. If there's something that hits your heart, I want you to be my teammate. We need you to be. I want to be on a super team. I can't do it by myself. I can't win by myself. I can't do philanthropy by myself. And we could really use, and it doesn't have to be a lot. Some have a lot, some have a little. But, you know, I sure could continue to use your your help, especially from the Monarch Nation. All right, you heard her, Monarch Nation. Lead with love, lead with kindness, give back, and go Monarchs. Thank you so much for joining us. I can't believe that we just had this interview. I'm still kind of in shock, but thank you for joining us. It's, it's my pleasure. If Jay Harris did this, I have to do it because he's my brother. And I love him. So for all the Monarch fans out there, I love you. I'm looking forward to coming back to campus, watching the football game, having us beat Marshall. And for you guys, Aaron and Michael, thank you for what you've done. You're the right, you're, you know, this is a great podcast. And, you know, we got to have people know that you're doing this. So thank you. Thank you. Go Monarchs.